Good morning. It is Thursday, July 29th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Lance Glenn. I hope everyone has had a good week so far and enjoyed our discussion with Missouri head coach Eli Drinkwitz yesterday. Today's episode will be all about Pac-12 media days that took place on Tuesday. Now, you may have thought media days were over last week, but nope. The Pac-12 decided to do theirs a week later. All but one coach spoke in person. Nick Rolovich of Washington State was the only one who had to attend via Zoom. And there were a few things from new commissioner Klyavkov that were very interesting as well. So joining me to talk about the event, he was there at Pac-12 Media Days, is the host of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, Blair Angulo. Blair, how we doing? Let me ask you, first and foremost, did you enjoy yourself on Tuesday? You know what? I, I did. You know, it's uh, it's always fun to go out to a media day because it gets your the senses tingling a little bit about the return of college football, and it, it signals kind of the beginning of what's going to be a really fun next four or five weeks before the first games, right? Like people start talking about fall camp and the depth chart and who's going to be returning kicks. And you're just like, man, like this sport is fantastic. So yeah, I had a lot of fun. It was out in Hollywood at a really fancy hotel. And and it's cool to kind of bump shoulders once again with some recruits that I was able to cover during the process. So uh, I always enjoy myself. And and you, like I said, it kind of gives you a nice little sensation heading into uh, what's going to be the, the fall camp season. Yeah, it really, in a way, kind of signals the beginning of the new season. I know, obviously, fall camp still has to go, but everything or most of what usually is talked about is previewing in a way for the season that's to come. And obviously that season, you know, we're almost in the month of August. Now the season's about a month away and, and it really is. It, it, it's starting to get the juices flowing and it's starting to get really excited thinking that college football, hopefully in what will be a normal season is going to be back. So Blair, let's start with the news that has kind of overtaken the sport. And that is obviously realignment. We all know Texas and Oklahoma will be heading to the SEC. Now it's on the other conferences, specifically the Big Ten, ACC and Pac-12 to respond. What did Commissioner George Klyavkov say about where the Pac-12 stands when it comes to expansion? You know, are they going to look around? Are they going to stand pat? What is the plan going forward for the conference? You know, he was very open, I think, without tipping his hand or without showing his cards. I I do feel like he's open to expansion and to adding more teams to the conference, uh, given that it would help the conference. You know, he said he's content and he said all the athletic directors, all the university presidents, they're all happy with the current structure. But if it's going to put the Pac-12 at a disadvantage when it comes to the college football playoff or the national landscape, and obviously the Pac-12 will have to really look at that closely. He didn't specify which programs have already reached out to the Pac-12 conference, but he did admit and he acknowledged that there have been other programs from other Power Five conferences and other group of five five conferences that have already reached out to the Pac-12 and to kind of, you know, get a feeler out there and to test the waters and to see if there would be any interest. There's a lot of, I think, maybe some, some questions about how big the expansion could be for the Pac-12 and and you know whether they would go up to a 14 or a 16 team league but I I do feel like he was open to it without completely saying you know, we're, we're, we're just going to shut things down. We're fine the way we are. I, I think the Pac-12 understands that it has to evolve in order to keep up with some of the bigger, bigger name schools. And I think you 
bring up a good point there in terms of evolving. So I watched the press conference and he mentioned, and this is a direct quote from him, the move by Texas and Oklahoma from Big 12 to the SEC strengthens our, which is the Pac-12, unique position as the only Power 5 conference with teams in the Mountain and Pacific time zones. So here are my thoughts on this. And and I'm curious your opinion because you went to UCLA, you live on the West Coast. Why is being the only conference to have teams in those time zones a good thing? I think you can make an argument that those time zones are exactly what's hurting the conference, right? You know, David Shaw, even earlier this offseason, blasted the kickoff times when teams like Stanford have to travel outside of those time zones because obviously the time difference is is so big. So I'm not sure why he's touting that that fact. Frankly, it might be a bad thing that they only have Pacific and Mountain time zones, and it might be smart for the Pac-12, if we're talking expansion, to even look outside of those time zones to more of a central time zone team to kind of, you know, diversify a little bit and evolve, like you said before, as all the other conferences are doing too. I agree with you 100%, you know, and, and I feel like it was one of those pitches that, you know, he tries to spin it in, in, a, in a positive manner where, you know, maybe from a national perspective, that might be a, a negative thing, right? To only have uh, the West Coast and ex- essentially the Pacific time zone, the mountain time zone represented. It's a regional conference. It's in the name, right? It's the Pacific conference. And, and it's one of those things where I think they want to be able to be the premier conference up and down the West Coast and the mountain time zone, they want to be the big brand. And if they want to keep that exclusive to only the schools in that in that region, uh, then obviously they're maybe going to be missing the mark because you're going to have to add some representation. You're going to have to be able to play games at, at different times that are, that are going to appeal to a national audience. You're on the East Coast. It's probably difficult for you to tune into a, a 1030 o'clock kickoff, right? Local time for you and, and stay awake and actually watch the entirety of that of that game. It's a little bit different for me on the West Coast and many others who wake up at nine in the morning and watch some, you know, some games with our coffee and our and our, and our coffee cake and all that and then just kind of, you know, roll through the rest of Saturday. But I think that's the the big issue with the Pac-12 when it comes to the media representation, when it comes to looking at Heisman contenders and the national polls, there are some teams that just fly under the radar and don't get the amount of respect. And if if the Pac-12 wants to be taken seriously, they might have to step outside that comfort zone and maybe add a, a team in the central or, you know, I, I'm not sure how big expansion is going to be, but if, it, if that means going national, then, you know, obviously I think that's something that they have to con- consider as well. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it obviously is very hard. You know, it is hard to stay awake at a 1030 game. That's most likely going to end at around one, if not one thirty here on the East Coast. We're, we're getting older, Lance. I mean, I, it's, uh, Blair, it's, you're telling it's, me, it's, really tough. And honestly, I'm, I I even have to deal with that out here because I have to watch some Hawaii games and those games, those games locally kick off at at around six or seven, which means on the Pacific time zone, that's closer to nine or 10. And yeah, so I know exactly what that is like. And if there are no eyeballs on a game or a big matchup, then there's no interest and there's no buzz. There's no talk about it. And that's where you become irrelevant. Yeah, for sure. And look, for me, obviously being a big college football fan, it's one thing, you know, I'll kind of force myself to stay up and watch some of these big games, but we're talking about me and other big college football fans being more in the minority. The Pac-12 kind of needs to reach for those more average college football fans that just watch the big games that are on, you know, ABC or CBS or NBC, because those people, they're not going to stay up till 1 a.m. 
watching and, and you know waiting till the end of a, every Pac-12 football game. So I think the the conference, while yes, they'll continue to keep some of those big time college football fans that force themselves to stay awake, the majority of the average college football fan, they're not going to stay up. And that's where they're really losing a lot of eyeballs when these games are going so late. So you obviously at Pac-12 Media Days, you spoke to a lot of coaches from your conversations with them. What were some of the biggest takeaways you got? Did anything really stand out to you? You know, I, I do feel like there were a variety of topics that, you know, with the fact that expansion and, and the, you know, college football playoff and, and the format and all that is taken precedent nationally. There were a lot of Pac-12 specific topics that I, I think caught my eye. The first one, obviously, the Arizona State recruiting violations and the NCAA review and, and how the, the program could be moving forward. I thought it was very interesting that Herm Edwards was so upfront about it saying, you know, hey, this is what happened. These are the allegations. I can't comment on it further because there's uh, an investigation. But I, I, you know, I think he realizes that he needs this year to go well on the field, or else everything's going to have to turn at, at Arizona State. Washington State was the other pretty interesting topic heading into the day. Uh, head coach Nick Rolovich did did not show up because he was the only head coach that has decided not to be vaccinated. He kept those reasons private, and obviously every. Everyone, I think, uh, understands that it's it's a choice that you have as a person to either get the vaccine or you don't get the vaccine. But there were a lot of questions about the maybe the the double sidedness of that, right? Because last year, if you, if you recall, uh, in his first year in Pullman, he did take some shots, some very public uh, shots in the media to certain players that were opting out of the season, essentially saying that you know they were leaving their teammates out to to hang or uh, out in out in the out in the open heading into the season uh but now we're heading into a season he's choosing not to take the vaccine and it's you know gonna maybe create a disadvantage for that program um you know not only on the field but in recruiting you know think about the recruits or the families that are going to take a visit up to washington state and they're trying to figure out all right what's you know what's the likelihood that i can go here uh and then they have to consider the the health repercussions or the health effects of going up and visiting a, a coach that might not uh uh, you know, be as safeguarded as as they are. So I thought those were two off the field topics that were pretty interesting. The other one, and and I always have to kind of go into this with with uh, some some level headedness, and and that would be USC and then and kind of their expectations. And I think we hear it every year from head coach Clay Helton about the the fact that they've turned the corner or that they feel really good about their roster composition or or the fact that they have the the players to take that next step. And I think we heard it a- again from Clay Helton last year and, and now he needs to go and prove it. You know, how long is that leash for him? I think those are some viable questions heading into the season. The the seat keeps getting warmer. I know USC fans have been clamoring for a change for, for a couple of years now. Um, but I thought those three topics specifically were were probably the the bigger question marks heading into the day. And um, you know, I, I think it does add to some of the excitement about this season. Uh, a little plug for the College Football Daily, but we did talk uh, with Zach Armstrong of KoogFan.com, 24-7 Sports Washington State site, and he had a lot of good things, uh, not a lot of good things, a lot of interesting things, I should say, 
um, regarding Nick Rolovich and everything going on at Washington State with his decision not to get vaccinated. So make sure to go and listen to that. Blair, a couple more from me. David Shaw had some really interesting comments regarding specifically Bryce Young, Alabama and name image likeness. He said, and I'm paraphrasing here, that Bryce Young's NIL earnings, they're not market value that they are Alabama value. And he basically said, look, Saban mentioned that when he did to kind of use it as a recruiting chip. And then Nick Saban is being smart about it, you know, enticing players through his words to come here because if you come to Alabama, you can make a lot of money through name image likeness. Was NIL as a whole discussed either by the coaches or by the commissioner? And what was said about it and how the Pac-12 plans to deal with it moving forward? One big interesting thing that the commissioner, uh, George Kliakoff, was able to to announce and to say was that the Pac-12 plans to implement a distributing network of sorts with with video and content and, and media clips for all the players to access, right? So if you're USC quarterback Keaton Slovis, who has already signed a, an NIL deal with Clutch Sports uh, out here in Los Angeles, if he wants to go into the Pac-12 database, base and download all the clips or all the video from his game on Saturday and being able to market that and package that into some sort of commercial for his Instagram or for Twitter or for, for whatever it may be. I think that was really interesting because it's now allowing the conference to pitch itself as not only a, a place, a destination where you can go and market yourself, but they're giving you the tools to do that. You know, I, I think that was something that, that it's setting them apart and, and they're maybe getting out in front of it. Um, I think we see that a lot with, with some pro teams, right? Where they have a specific photographer that, that shoots a, a team and, and all the players can go into a, maybe a Dropbox or a Google drive and download all the photos that they have of them from that game or for whatever it may be that's where the Pac-12 is headed uh in that in that sense but the you know the Nick Saban stuff and the David Shaw stuff I, I thought was was really interesting I think David Shaw is is saying a lot of uh, a lot of things that maybe the other coaches don't want to say or don't have kind of the courage to say and and that's that you know not everyone's going to be a one million dollar player in this in this era right there might be a player that can that can make some change here and there but that is an Alabama perk and you know obviously that comes with the territory. Uh, Nick Saban is recruiting from a position of power. He can do that. He can say that about his star quarterback, who, by the way, hasn't yet started a, a game and he's already making that sort of money. But I do think that David Shaw is 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 strategically tempering the expectations and saying, hey, if you're a premier player and, and a top quarterback, you can make some money, but you have to pick the right situation. And I think he's tempering the expectations for the normal recruit. So Blair, last one from me. I want to go back to the commissioner. It was his first media day press conference. Were you impressed with how he did? Were you indifferent about it all? You know, what were your impressions of him through his first media day leading the conference? I mean, I already think he's better than Larry Scott. And you know, that <laughs> is, is that and, really and that's is not, that hard to do? Is that hard to do? I was about to say, and that's not saying much, but for years, I think Larry Scott and his biggest downfall was the empty promise after empty promise. We heard about the growth 
growth of the Pac-12 network. We heard about the the distribution in Asia. We heard about you know him trying to expand in different continents, and none of that really paid dividends, and especially in the sports that I think people care about. We all know that the Pac-12 dominates the Olympic sports. You can look at even the Olympic roster now for the U.S. You know they have I think the most Olympians of any Power Five conference. Uh, I think USC and UCLA make up uh, close to 50% of the representation. So there's a lot there um, that the Pac-12 does right. But when it comes to football, I think uh, George Klievkov really gets it. And I think he understands that there's a new era right on the horizon and he wants to be out in in front of it. And whether that's expansion, whether that's NIL, whether that's keeping some of the top recruits closer to home, which is something he mentioned, right? He, He needs this conference to be appealing to the recruits out West to up the level of, of talent to up the the value of, of the conference, uh, not only for TV distribution, but for the quality of football. I think he understands that first and foremost, people want to be entertained and they want to be entertained by quality players. So uh, I think the conference is going to be investing in that. And I, I was impressed. I think he gets it. And, you know, obviously he gets it more than Larry Scott was able to get it. And, you know, like you mentioned, it might not be saying much, but I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about the future of of the conference under Klyukov and what he hopes to, to accomplish. Well, look, the Pac-12 has certainly garnered some big interest over the last few days. And with everything going on around college football. We know that what they do, as well as what really every Power 5 conference does moving forward, it'll be heavily scrutinized in the near future. Blair, thanks so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Lance. Take care. Remember that if you like what you hear, make sure to drop us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We love to hear what you think. If you have any questions, any ideas for a topic, or if you haven't heard your favorite team yet. Don't forget to also listen every Tuesday and Thursday to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, as well as every Wednesday for the Recruiting Podcast five-minute morning episode, all hosted by Blair. My name is Lance Glenn. Enjoy your Thursday, everyone. I'll be back to close out the week tomorrow on the next edition of the College Football Daily. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.